What's up, y'all? This is John and Mike back for another episode of the Nothing Finer Podcast. Once again, we are live on Millions. Um, tonight, we're talking about clean, old-fashioned hate, uh, Michigan, Ohio State, or as some people from the uh, frozen hell that is the Midwest call it, the game. <clears throat> and then um, the Iron Bowl, in which Auburn surprised us again. Mm. Um, but before we get into all that, how was your, I guess your week and, uh, and what are you drinking? Week was fun. We went to, uh, like we talked about before recorded right after the Tennessee game, you know, last week, we went down to Disney for a few days went to Epcot, drank around the world, went to magic kingdom. And, uh, that was a clusterfuck. It was so busy on, we went on Thanksgiving, okay. uh, but, um, it was cool though. We were able to get on. All the stuff we wanted to get on, see all the things we wanted to see. So it was cool. Now I'm fighting a cold because, you know, you have tens of thousands of people there. They don't wash their hands. They're on vacation from all over the world. So I got I got some kind of some kind of virus or something because I am very nasally congested. All that. Um, I'm drinking water. I'm gonna try not to drink until the uh, playoff. That's that's my goal, or at least Christmas. So give myself about a month, uh, a month off. So just, just water for me. How about you? Yeah, man. Um, so we went to, um, yesterday when three thirty games started, I was like, man, Auburn don't have a damn chance. All right, Kelsey, let's go to this Christmas market on Tybee you want to go to. So go to the Christmas market, uh, meet up with some friends. There was a bar there that had $2 jello shots. Okay. Um, so the poor choices started very early. Um, and then we, our friends were like, Hey, let's go have dinner and drinks at the quarter. Um, if you ever spent how, time around Tybee. I was like, how is that? We lived, when we lived on Tybee, when we were running there, we were literally right across the street from it, that A-frame house that you see from yeah. uh, the parking lot. Like we stayed there. The um, how, uh, is, how was that? The quarter is great. Um, okay. If you like dive bars, it's they don't necessarily follow um, laws at the quarter. That that was kind of the vibe that I got. That's why I'm like, I don't really want to take my kids there. Like, not no, definitely do not take the children there. People <laughs> people still smoke inside. There's ashtrays on all the tables. Don't take your kids oh, there. But, throw it back. Um, they also stay open until 3 a.m. Mm-hmm. But the best part about it is the kitchen stays open until 3 a.m. And if you're talking oh, about yeah. a dive bar, the food's actually pretty good. Ooh, okay. Noted. Yeah. So, I I mean, they so they advertise as having the best wings in Savannah. Mm-hmm. Um, I have not personally had them, but I've been told by multiple people that it is a fact. Interesting. Hmm. Um, my go-to is the grilled chicken sandwich. Because it's a good grilled chicken sandwich. Um, oh, hell yeah. But no, we, we stayed there. And we also, before we went to this Christmas market, we were sitting in the driveway. And I was like, hey, Kelsey, you don't have your lucky hat. Should you go in and get it? No, we'll be back before the game starts. It'll be fine. We were not back before the game started. Um, we left the quarter at halftime. So. Hmm. So, I mean, if we're being honest, that's why Georgia Tech didn't score in the second half because we got back here. Kelsey got her lucky hat. Um, 
you know, we, we have to do our part. That is what it is. So to, to test that out though. So does she, does she wear it the first drive or two every game or does she have it off? Um, defensive so drive for away games. She normally does not have it on. And then after the first part of the game, she's like, Oh, I guess I'll put it on normally okay, so... on the table next to her. Um, so that, mm. yeah, yeah. Ugh. interesting okay so keep that on you Kelsey's fault is everything it is. Kelsey's fault that's what okay. we're asking <laughs> I'm sure she would fight us if we uh well we did say it out loud we're on record oh no I told her yesterday when Georgia Tech scored after uh the Dajan fumble it's like mm -hmm. damn it's because you don't have your hat <laughs> it um, can't argue it I you know I have a very happy marriage, but everybody gets the smoke. Especially when you're fucking with the dogs, man. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so we'll get. You right should into know better. Come on, here. man. Oh, um, also, I am just drinking a caffeine-free diet coke because I'm also feeling kind of under the weather still, and mm. I'm also after going out last night, probably not drinking for a while, and then I can't drink after my uh, shoulder surgery because I'll be on medication. So. So it'll probably yeah, right. be national championship time frame before I drink again. Um, that's good planning. Yeah. Speaking of which, I finally got my uh my hoodie for millions. Yes, and it looks. I mean, right. It's on, it's on Lou Holtz right now, but yeah, it's there. I was, I was about to say the uh, the Zoom background is taking over right now. But. I would recommend up. if you if you if you plan on getting it, I would get it a size up than what you normally do because, yeah, I can see the shrinking okay. a little bit. Okay, yeah, I'm I'm actually kind of in between sizes right now with having lost so much weight, so probably just kidding. I, I found that weight. <laughs> I don't think you found all of it. You I you're you would not look like you do right now if you found all the weight I lost. Anyways, um. <laughs> Getting into this Georgia-Georgia Tech game, Georgia did not cover the 24-and-a-half because they won this game 31-23. Um, the Dogs, I it, it wasn't really talked about much, but I'm pretty sure it was a voluntary sitting of Ladd, Brock, Tate Ratledge, and Ra Rock because they were all dressed. Mm. I think it was one of those things of... Well, Ladd didn't have pads on. Okay, Ladd didn't have pads on. Okay. Yeah. Um. But everybody else had pads on that I saw on on camera. So I think it was one of those, like, I mean, if it's down bad, we'll figure it out. But, you know, mm -hmm. turns out instead of waiting to the third quarter to rest the stars, they just did it before the game started. That might be the most disrespectful thing Kirby's done to, to a rival. It's like, you know what? We don't even need half of our starters on offense. We got it. Yeah. I mean, I love it. I don't love yeah. the fact that Georgia Tech was able to score 23, but we'll get into them here in a minute. Um, yeah. The offense still looked pretty good without those guys. And, you know, if not for an ineligible receiver downfield that called back a touchdown, um, Georgia would have been right around their scoring average. I will say Cedric Van Pran was right at those three yards that he's yeah. allowed to be. So arguable that he was ineligible downfield, but – that did it make that big of a difference probably not but the 
I mean, going across all of college football yesterday and just kind of the overall theme of the season, the officiating has been uh, not good. I, you know, we'll get into it here in a minute a lot more. I thought the officiating in uh, Michigan-Ohio State was actually fair throughout the game. I agree, 100%. Once they set the precedent of it's questionable, instead of taking 20 minutes to look at it, it's going to stand, that mm. ran the entire game. Well, and the game still ran really long. At least it felt like it did. It, Maybe because yeah. I was on the edge of my seat the entire time. I don't know. No, no, I agree because the three thirty games had already started when that game finished, so it, it yeah. did run a little long. But we'll we'll get into that a, a lot more here in a minute. Um, yeah, Carson technically had an interception, even though I don't think that should go into his stat category because when it double doinks off of two people and somebody finds it in the air, mm -hmm. that's not his fault. And it seems like a lot of, I, it seems like most of his interceptions have been that way. Tips, yeah. He has made two or three bad decisions all year, mm. but he's got like 10 picks because of tips. Yeah. Uh, I'm curious as to how many drops, I don't know if you would necessarily classify that as a drop, that one, but how many uh, drops receivers have this year compared to like last year? Um, I would love to know where to look up the drops yeah. stat. Hmm. Because the NFL has it readily available. At least, you know, I see it pretty regularly yeah. like, online. But yeah, college football, not as much. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we, we kind of alluded to this a minute ago, but Georgia didn't allow a touchdown on the first drive. Um, yeah, they did. Hell yeah. I, I more or less think that it was the first drive. It was just a remix of allowing a touchdown on the first drive. Mm -hmm. Three and out, punt. First play fumble, then they get a touchdown. It's just a remix. Change it up a little, mm -hmm. you know? They don't want to be predictable. You yeah. got to keep them guessing how they're going to get that first drive touchdown. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, I'll let you read this next part because I, I don't, if I'm being honest, I don't remember this. You don't, That's wild. You don't, Okay, maybe, maybe after I say it. So kind of a, I don't want to call it a theme or a trend, but even, I, I guess it kind of is. Uh, Dejan and Makai Muse have a uh, propensity to to fumble um, or muff punts. Like Makai, hot potato, has a few times. Yeah. Um, so I was saying we need Tim McGraw to tape the ball to uh, Dejan and in uh, Makai's hands, like he did in Friday Night Lights. Yeah, at the very beginning. You remember that? The movie, right? Yeah, the movie. Yeah, I haven't. I didn't watch the show. The movie. Uh, I really like the show, but I have I haven't seen the movie in probably fifteen years. Oh, that's one of the parts I remember most. Is it's just so ridiculous. But I mean, the I'll whole... have I'll have three weeks of sitting on the couch, not able yeah. to do much of anything. So I'll catch up, you know. Yeah, because his uh, Tim McGraw's son fumbled the ball, and, he's, and you know he was drinking after the game. He's like, oh, you know, we're gonna you know fix that or whatever. He got duct tape and taped the ball around his hands when uh, when his uh, when his son was trying to do naughty things with a uh, co-ed. Yeah, it's very. That... Uh, if it, send me send me movie and show recommendations for my three weeks of not being able to do anything after shoulder surgery here in a few minutes, and that's that's for everybody. Yeah, yeah, but Friday Night Lights definitely definitely needs to be one of them to rewatch. Anyway, um, so Tech's offense played a little bit better than expected against Georgia's defense with Buster Faulkner as their OC. I think that actually had a lot to do with it. It's something I overlooked last week. Um, so for those of you that don't know and didn't have it 
pounded into your ears during the game. Uh, Buster Faulkner was an analyst on the staff last season under Todd Munkin and practiced and designed plays to beat Georgia's defense as a job. Um, yeah. So it makes sense that he would be good at it mm-hmm. at his next job. Um, and then, you know, as far as Tech's defense goes, we saw what they were able to do last season. Um, I, you know, this is this is Tech Super Bowl. So every week they they have a plan and they spend time focusing on beating Georgia. And this was a competitive game. I, I said it last week. Yep. It's getting closer to being a rivalry again. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it is, especially with, you know, they're at the end of the game coaches separating players even though it looked like they were doing handshakes and not fighting i think the coaches were ready for it hell yeah i totally i missed that i went to sleep um at that point as soon as uh you know after i think georgia was like kneeling it out but uh yeah i have to go back and check that out i rewatched it this afternoon because um the quarter i ordered singles and i think he was pouring triples oh so value. Uh, so so yeah. when when you rewatched it, because I only watched it the one way uh, through, because I thought it was kind of the game plan was kind of vanilla again, not having you know a lot of your starters on offense, even though they didn't necessarily matter. But I mean, did you think that Georgia just ran a lot of shell or a lot of base stuff and didn't try to get too exotic, not to, not to show uh, Bama anything next week? Um, this is going to sound real disrespectful to Tech. I think that based on how Tex run their offense, that Georgia was almost using this game as a trial and error for that game next week. Mm-hmm. Because Haynes King, Jalen Milrow, but faster and a little skinnier. I would say like a Haynes King is like a great value, Jalen Milrow, and Jalen Milrow is a great value, Jalen Daniels. Yeah. And um, and the running backs are very similar. They're they're receiving threats out of the backfield, not necessarily power runners. Um, they I will say I think Alabama has a slight edge in the tight end category, and they're probably about even in in wide receivers talent. Um, and that's disrespectful to Alabama because mm. Georgia Tech's best receivers were all starters at other programs that decided to leave. Well, one of them was from Alabama, right? I was about to say, Christian yeah. Leary yeah. from Alabama. I mm-hmm. want to say he was one of the guys that was a big factor in them coming back against Auburn last season, or in 2021. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, played really well today, so or yesterday. Um, but no, I mean, I talked about it last week. Georgia Tech has a lot of transfer players. It's how they've gotten so much better in the past season. I think their offensive line was good. I like I no shade at their players or coaching staff, actually. Mm-hmm. I like I, I truly think that they are getting better as a program, but Georgia's still so much more talented through and through that they were able to treat it as a trial and error and okay, this worked, okay, this didn't mm-hmm. for that game next week because how similar their offensive plans are. And Brent Key had them playing really like really well like or as well as you can expect them to play mistake free as well i mean georgia had a bunch of penalties is college football's dan campbell 
he oh yeah i mean he and that is a compliment yeah 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 um you know he's coaching as alma mater i know they said that you know a ton of times during the broadcast but you know even you know when he took over uh on an interim basis last year when they fired a g off uh i mean he had them playing a lot better what they beat a top 10 unc the week jeff collins got fired yeah yeah they yeah and then they had what two top twenty five wins this year? They had that miracle against Miami, and uh, uh, they beat UNC. Yeah, again. Again. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, but he, I mean, he has them. He has them playing well. Uh, penalty wise, Tech only had three penalties for fifteen yards. Georgia had six for sixty. So there's that. Um, uh, yeah. A lot of the ones on Georgia, especially in the rewatch, it, they. Like, were they technically penalties or were they borderline? Yes. Mm-hmm. Are those 99% of the time not called? Yes. Mm-hmm. It, like, if you follow the black and white, like Cedric Van Pran, half of his foot was probably over that three yards downfield. Mm-hmm. Did it make a difference in the play? Absolutely not. That A couple pass interference on Georgia that were like, I mean, yeah, he contacted him 10 yards ago. Yeah. But, like, was the ball in the air? Yes. Did he make contact? Yes. Did it have literally anything to do with whether or not that pass was caught because it was 10 yards out of bounds? No. Mm. So, I, you know, I don't want to keep harping on officiating, but it wasn't wasn't great. Yeah. I mean, there was definitely worse called games out there, but, yeah, I, I get what you're saying. Uh, for sure. But I mean, like I was saying, he, he had them playing uh, well. It was a much closer game than we both thought. I think we both took Georgia to cover that. And yeah. and it was something that I, I was thinking about today when I was kind of driving around was that I don't know how much it was mentioned before the game, how much or, you know, who was going to miss it, whether, you know, Ladd and Brock and Rara and Tate were going to miss the game or whatever. But if, again, knowing if I would have known, I probably would have thought a little bit harder about taking them to cover that. But again, the offense wasn't the problem. It was more the defense. So I don't, I don't know. Yeah, no, I agree. And it is, it is hard to, I mean, so Georgia Tech's offensive game plan, they, they really ran a dressed up triple option. Yeah. There was running back in the backfield that could have taken the handoff. The quarterback could have taken it or he had the pass option. Like, it, it was 100% a triple option offense that was dressed up. And to, to their credit, they did it extremely well. Yeah. But mm-hmm. it, it is a gimmicky offense. Um, mm-hmm. and I mean, it fits how they play um, in their talent level against more talented teams. But when, when they almost entirely changed their offensive identity for one game, just because they wanted to try to beat Georgia. Like, it's not necessarily something you can um, plan for defensively. No, I mean, if yeah, you got to throw the uh, kitchen sink at them because, again, you're not going to out-physical Georgia. You're not going to out-town with them. So, yeah, I mean, you got to do something different. That's why I think one of the reasons why they ran the triple option for, you know, all those years under Paul Johnson, part of that reason they couldn't beat Mark Rick, you know, going head-to-head in all these battles. They had to do something different that, you know, they would have to take time out to prepare for and all that. So... I, I get it, but yeah, yeah, no, I, I'm, yeah. 
once again, no, absolutely no shade to Tech. Like, I actually no. gained a lot of respect for them. And I even had, I mean, I respected the team last week because they are doing significantly better this year. I mean, they are going to a bowl game for the first time since 2018. Like, mm-hmm. they are drastically improving as a program. A lot of these guys that they brought in through the transfer portal have eligibility to come back next year, build on what they've done this year. But it was a gimmicky offense. And I think they, I want to say Tech had, I think they had four or five uh, conference wins, too. I believe so. Because I know, I mean, they lost to Bowling Green. They lost to, did it was Ole Miss? Did they play Ole Miss? Yeah, they lost last year. Yeah. So the Bowling Green one was tough. We, yeah. But again, I mean, winning five AC, four or five ACC games is impressive considering where they had been under uh, Jeff Collins. No, I, I agree. No, I, you know, we're, I'm, I'm not going to say it again, but I do, I do, I am gaining respect for this Georgia Tech program. I think very interested to see who their bowl game is against because there's so many mid teams out there that I think Georgia Tech definitely has the ability to beat one of these teams. Um, So something that I wanted to put in here and didn't, this game reminds me a lot of that Missouri game from last season. Georgia significantly outgained them in yards but it was turnovers, penalties, touchdowns, and big plays called back. And it was a closer game on the scoreboard than it was in reality. Um, So that's, you know, just something that kind of caught my eye there. Yeah, I mean, like yardage-wise, I had it there. Georgia outgained Tech 437 to 363. So, I mean, it was – it wasn't like the big uh, necessarily used to, but Tech did have 205 yards on the ground. Yeah, that's a little bit concerning, just a little bit. It is, but once I, when you have two or three different running options in the backfield, and they Tech finally has good receivers and a quarterback that can actually throw the ball, like you have to cover all your bases because if they would have sold out to stop the run, you know, Blaylock, either Christian Leary, any of those guys could catch pass and take it to the house because they're all very talented mm-hmm. yeah, um, but like like you were saying they're going to be a problem going forward they're, they're only going to get better oh yeah 100 percent. especially because they their offensive and defensive coordinators are guys that are getting their start in the power five i mean buster faulkner was an offensive coordinator for a um, lower level group of five team mm-hmm. and is Obviously, he's cutting. He cut his teeth at Georgia, got that job at Georgia Tech, and is doing extremely well at it. So, mm-hmm. they, they are going to continue to do well. I will say it was a sad, sad day. End of a streak. Um, mm-hmm. it, it was an end of a streak that we were all very proud of. Obviously, I'm not talking about um, regular season wins that went to 39. Just wins in a row that went to 29. Um, seasons that they've won 12 regular season games, gone undefeated through the regular season is three. Um, we're talking about Carson's streak of 250 passing yards to start a career. Um, he got it to 11 games. So that broke the old record by five games, I believe. It was Kellen Mond at six. So mm-hmm. extremely impressive. He did go 13 for 13 of 20. For 175 yards, touchdown, and then that interception does go on his stat sheet, even though it wasn't his fault in any way, shape, yeah. or form. 
Uh, and he's, I still thought he played decently well. I mean, at least for uh, what they asked him to do. I mean, he only like we like you said, he only threw twenty passes or attempted twenty passes, and you know, still converted you know big third downs when he needed to. So I mean, I I have nothing bad to say about it. Really. Yeah, no, his I I do think that he was having a little bit of accuracy issues. Um, yeah, but when when he was on for drives. A dude could have thrown a ball in. He could have thrown a ball through a small square hole. That that touchdown pass he had to uh, tie it up in the first to I think was that to love it. That was to love it, and then that yeah, that was on nice. the sideline to Bell. Yeah, yeah, Ooh. yeah. He he could have dropped a football in a beer can when he was on last night. And that's what we want yeah. to see, especially going into uh, into next week and another guy that's peaking at the right time. Kendall Milton. We said it in like week two. A healthy Kendall Milton is a fucking problem. Yep. He had a career high 18 carries, a career high 156 yards, and tied his career high of two touchdowns in a game. Mm-hmm. And was, the wild thing so is, good. at the end of the third quarter, he had 170 rushing yards. It was in the fourth quarter, some negative plays brought him back down to 156. Mm. He's a fucking problem. And I don't know how many teams in the country are going to be able to stop him because last night and even against um, even against Tennessee and See, Ole yeah. Miss, he was hit low and stepped through those tackles. Yes. Like, man, one of those big runs he had... If he, I think he had two runs last night that were called back for penalties that were like 30-yard runs. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. But in at least one of those long runs, some guy had both of his legs wrapped up going through the hole, and he stepped through it and kept going. So mm-hmm. this is this is the Kendall Milton that we've been waiting for. Yeah. He, uh, he really stepped up. He was one of the guys that stepped up the most. And again, all those guys that we talked about that didn't play stepped up the most, especially with Dejan, you know, having the you know fumble, fumble uh, early on in the game. But yeah, Kendall stepped up big time. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing how he he plays against Bama next week because we're gonna definitely gonna need him to be you know this Kendall Milton and not you know Kendall Milton of the past. Not early season Kendall. No, yeah. I agree. Um, yeah. So. You know, we talked about the guys being out. Dominic Lovett, he's he is this is this is kind of a throwback. He is this season's Dominic Blaylock from twenty nineteen. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. he's always running clean routes. He's ninety nine percent of the time open. And when nobody else is, you can throw the ball his direction and have a very good idea that he's gonna catch it. Um Dylan Bell another guy peaking at the right time. I mean, his usage over the last few weeks has been phenomenal. Stepped up Mm. for injured guys. And then Arian Smith. He's here. He's there. He's on the team. I I figured it out. I figured out Arian Smith. He doesn't, he doesn't do well when it's warm. And he's cold. Where's he from originally? You know, you remember? I don't. Um, and I don't think it matters because mm. play late season Arian elite. is elite. Late season Arian is big Tyreek Hill vibes. 
Mm-hmm. He just needs to be able to catch the ball better. That's one thing that I, I mean, he obviously had to struggle with the rest of the season or earlier in the season, I should say. But like that, that kind of brings me to one of the things that I put in here. Do you think that they try to get him involved more kind of going in these last, you know, minimum two games, hopefully three of like getting the ball in his hand? Cause he's, I mean, he's obviously dynamic. He's like one of the, he's going to be the fastest guy in the field, whatever field he's on, but doing like jet sweeps or, 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 you know, wildcat type stuff. Like they need to make more of an effort to get him the ball without him having to worry about like actually catching it, at least until he gets his confidence back. So I think next week, um, you know, we'll we'll preview for later in the ep- or later in the week episode. Um, I think he is a lot more involved in the backfield, and I think um, Dylan Bell is is fairly involved in the backfield. And I say that because both of these guys are very fast and can uh, make you miss. And mm-hmm. one thing that you know we saw, especially you know on Saturday with Jarquez Hunter. Um, Bama's front seven is lacking speed this year. Yeah. Um, so I think they're both fairly big parts of the game plan. Maybe not, you know, I'm not going to say they both get 10 carries, but, you know, some sort of screen or jet sweep or, you know, double reverse kind of situation going on mm-hmm. against Alabama with their um, slower than normal front seven for them. I think both Arian and, uh, and Dylan Bell can get involved pretty pretty good with that. Yeah, I'm hoping that they both have big games on uh, on Saturday. Hey, and um, it is in the bins where Arian Smith buried an Ohio State um, defensive yeah. back for a 72-yard touchdown. I think he – I could be wrong, but he might have had the most receiving yards of, for a college player in the bins. I could be totally wrong on that. I might just be making it up. I don't know, but – it feels I, right. I definitely think you are because 2019 LSU played two games oh. in the bins. Yeah. Okay. Never mind. <laughs> Not non-Joe Burrow teams. <laughs> On non-Joe Burrow teams, you're probably right. You're probably yeah. right. Yeah. Um. So for Caleb's corner this week, um, obviously Georgia just broke the SEC record for longest win streak. Georgia has done this with. Tougher schedules as well as the two Alabama teams have previously held the record beat seven and six top 25 teams respectively during their streak. While Georgia, since that 2021 SEC championship game, has beaten 11 top 25 teams to keep that streak going. Um, Damn. (laughs) Yeah. It's like an entire season almost. Almost. And, yeah. you know, this season, it's been two two teams this season were top 10. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Well, was Missouri in the top 10 when, when Georgia played them? I mean, I don't know. But They're I borderline. Think, I think breaking yeah. at the end of the season is, oh. you know, to me at least, is more important. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, because, like, Kentucky, Kentucky was not – Kentucky was not a top 10 team. Kentucky was technically ranked when Georgia ran them out of Sanford. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're going to go ahead and get into players of the week. So, Mike, with the offense. All right, so we we alluded to it earlier. Kendall Milton, career game, career high, 18 carries, career high, 156 yards, two touchdowns. Like we said, peaking at the right time. I think that's back-to-back weeks for him winning our player of the week, or offense player of the week. So, you know, shout out Kendall. Keep it going. Yeah, no, I'm 
I am excited to see what he can do down the stretch here, especially if he's, you know, continues his good health and um, and the offensive line continues to do what they've been doing all season. For defensive player of the game, I've got Smile Mondin um, making a ton of plays all night. He was making up for other guys' mistakes. He is that alpha inside linebacker with Pop being out. Um, eight total tackles, including five solo, and he spent a good bit of time in coverage last night, which is not necessarily one of his fortes. So mm-hmm. stepped up big time, led the team in tackles. Uh, he's definitely living up to his recruiting ranking, and uh, I'm real glad that he's a sophomore. Yeah, that was one of the things I noticed a lot was they kind of isolated linebackers and picked on them in coverage a little bit. And, I mean, they played well. I mean, it wasn't like they got beat a ton. Him and uh, C.J. Allen come to mind the most. But, you know, yeah, the smile played beautifully uh, for uh, for them. And we are doing a freshman of the week again. So, for this week. So, Walker went 16 yards. He drove right over Orange Church, just driving and running with those big times. My God, a question. Player of the week. I've got Kristen Miller. Um, he was living in the backfield when he was on the field last night. Um, I believe I believe he's the guy that forced that fumble from Haynes King. Um, Tech ended up recovering it. But he's the guy that just rocked Haynes King's world and, uh, and got that ball out. He ended up um, two solo tackles. Both of them in the backfield. One was a sack. One was a tackle for loss. Freshman. Real yeah. real happy that he is another one of those guys that's taking over and making big plays at the right time. Um, are we going to get a Bear Alexander-type postseason from, from Kristen Miller? People are asking. Hopefully not a offseason like uh, Bear Alexander. but No, I don't think he's going to fall for the uh, L.A. hype. No, shoot. Um, all right, so Hungry's Dog. I think we gave it to Dill Bell last week too, but uh, he's uh, my Hungry's Dog. Three catches, 37 yards. He did have a touchdown call back um, on that, uh, the uh, penalty on uh, Van Bram. But three catches for 37 yards, a rush for 29 yards, and he had a kick return for almost 40 yards. So he, I mean, he was all over the place. And, I mean, he's, again, really stepped up in absence of some of the bigger name guys. So, he's he's really come through for this team when needed. And, um, again, hopefully hopefully they keep him involved once uh, everybody's back, you know, whether it's, you know, Saturday or, you know, the playoff. And, um, you know, late addition here. I do want to do a um, player B for Hungriest Dog. But it's going to be – the entire offensive line. Um, yeah. Just based on what the running game was doing. Um, and it was a vastly shifted around offensive line. I mean, Ernest Green was still playing left tackle. Van Pran was still playing center. Um, but Michael Morris, when he's been called into action, has done phenomenally. Dylan Fairchild, I've talked about him all season, as I think he is one of, if not the best guard on the team. Um, mm. And it's two guys – both sophomores taking over for a three-year starter in Tate Ratledge. And, um, you know, I think the entire offensive line had a hell of a day, but especially yeah. those two guys that have been kind of playing cleanup with 
with that uh with Tate being out. I you know, just super mm-hmm. impressed by what they've done, especially last week against Tennessee, coming in with a top ten rushing defense and then this week against Georgia Tech. Um all all sorts of cobbled together. Highly, highly impressed with what they've done over the last few weeks. Yeah, we know they're not gonna win the Joe Moore Award, but there are Joe uh, Joe Moore Award winners in our book. So, you know, I've I've already kind of hinted at it. I'm gonna have a go off queen moment on the Joe Moore Award finalist soon. Do I do it Wednesday, and we kind of have a longer episode because we're probably gonna talk about all the Power Five championships, or do I do it on Sunday after after all the games are over? I would say, or I could even do it uh, next, next Wednesday, because we're talking yeah. about Army Navy and some of the bowl matchups. Yeah, I would do that. Yeah, for okay. sure. Because we're going to talk to um, our Alabama insider on Wednesday too. So yeah. All right. So next Wednesday is when the rant about the Joe Moore Award for this season is going to come into effect. Um, we're about to do calling the dogs, but I just want to remind you guys, phone number 678-465-8020, if you would like to be on calling the dogs. And for this week, call in. I don't, I truly do not care if it's 15 minute calling the dog segment on Wednesday because it is championship week. It is Alabama and you go off on any of the, uh, power five championship games. I mean, does Oklahoma deserve to get roasted after beating Texas and then finding a way to not play in the Big 12 championship? <laughs> People are saying. Does Louisville deserve to get roasted for losing to a not good Kentucky team and essentially making the next week's game irrelevant? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Does Iowa deserve all of the smoke? Yes. They deserve all the praise because they're going to pull off an upset. So, if you want to get on it, in on it for the Wednesday show, that is 678-465-8020. We will be recording Wednesday at 8 p.m. So, if you get it in before then, it will make the show. Um, but for this week's Calling the Dogs, here we go. Hi, right, Sean. I'll keep it real with you. Approximately 10 minutes ago, I was nervous about this game. But as of right now, Kendall Milton just ran in for the touchdown that made the game 14 to 10. And this is all it takes because now I am not just hopeful. I am not just confident. I am certain that not only is this Georgia going to win this game, but just like we thought, it's not going to be particularly close. Okay, good job, Tech. You ran in. You got the one touchdown like everybody does. You know, you, you got that cute little field goal because uh, Key is terrified try anything on this Georgia defense and give us any momentum, so here's your field goal, sir. And it didn't matter because they cannot stop this offense. They got one lucky fumble on the first play. Good job. You ain't getting another one. So I'm I'm making this call right now, 14 to 10, barely into the second quarter. Georgia's going to win this game by an awful lot. I already know it. And if I look stupid later, (laughs) whoops. All right, so I was wrong enough that I feel like I need to call back. <laughs> Set the record straight on that. Uh, so, yeah, I said the game wasn't going to be particularly close. And you know what? At a lot of times, it didn't feel like it was. And they went up by 18, 
But this was one of those games where, you know, we didn't play our A-plus game. We probably didn't even play our C-plus game. Ball bounced Georgia Tech's way on a lot of things. A lot of things. You know, some some luck coming their way. Some home cooking coming their way from the ACC officials running the game. And you know what? At the end of the day, it didn't matter. We won the game. Uh, you know, everything that could have gone Georgia Tech's way in that game did. Everything that could have given them an opportunity to get an upset happened. And they still couldn't do it. We still did just enough to hold them to just enough points to get the win. And really, that's all you need to do. It's a, you know, rivalry week. You're at their place. I get it. It's historic Mark Rick's field where we had a loss in 1999. But that crowd was kind of buzzing. You know? At least from what I could tell on television. It seemed like the atmosphere was pretty much buzzing in favor of the nerds. So, I'm not really that upset the final score was only an eight-point game. Based on all of that. Because now... Kirby's going to whip those boys into shape in practice. He certainly wouldn't have him with the happy with the performance. I don't want him to be happy with that performance. But I'm happy knowing that those boys are going to get whipped into shape because what happens after these close games where Georgia does not play our best, historically and this season, is we come out the next week rolling and on all cylinders. So I'm ready to see that next weekend. Couldn't have been times any better. All right, Caleb with two calls. It was a. It was definitely a tale of two. Um, yeah, it's a tale of two voicemails, for sure. Oh, yeah. um, if you didn't hear it in whatever form you're listening to this, it will be in the Spotify version. So go check that out. Um, Spotify, Apple, all the other places. I don't really know how many places we're in. Um, but I know at least those Spotify and Apple. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm just going to reiterate, we want all the voicemails this week, six, seven, eight, four, six, five, eight, zero, two, zero for your opportunity to call the dogs. Um, so now we're getting into Ohio state at Michigan and I, you know, as our resident big 10 Homer, I will just give you the floor and, uh, and make some comments. All right, so before we even get into the game, got to clear the air a little bit. I talked to my mom when I was on vacation. She wasn't too happy with you and uh, you and Wes, but all the shit you talked about Michigan. She was very upset. She was very mad. So do you know what I said? Because I don't. Was it about the state or was it about? Um, no, no, no. It was about it was about the team. It was about the the helmets and and uh, uh I can't hear. I think that was the major thing that I remember you saying. But she said, if you ever if you ever step foot in Michigan, it's fade on sight. She's going to have her goons come after y'all. So just, you know, keep your head on a swivel. I, you know, I do intend on making a Michigan game to mm -hmm. to hang out with uh, with Jim Brandstatter. So, you know, I'll, I'll just make sure to uh, to get to get some, uh, you know, uh, punching bag sessions in. The week before. There you go. Speaking of Jim, he got to he got the opportunity to actually make the last radio call 
on that, just announcing that, that Michigan had won that game. So that was really cool to see. He goes to all the games at home and then a lot of them away too. So that was kind of cool to see because he had retired, you know, after the 2021 season. So that was cool for him to see. Yeah, that that was awesome. You sent me the link and I listened to it. That was that was cool. Yeah. So all right. So first off, I want to start off by just LOLing at Ryan Day. Uh Mr. Born on third base. And he gets a lot, I mean, he gets a lot of hate because, you know, he has a very punchable face. He, you know, the whiner, complainer will complain about stuff, you know, 10, 11, 12 months later. But some of the criticism that he gets is really kind of unfair. So as a head coach, he's 56 and seven overall, 39 and three in Big Ten games. So all of his Big Ten losses have come to Michigan in the last three years. Um, I think he's. Boy, does it bring you to say that out loud? Oh, it's so sweet, so sweet. The, the fact that that all these former Buckeyes, uh, Maurice Claret, who was like huge for them, winning the O2 championship, Terrell Pryor and his you know free tattoos that got Jim Trussell fired, they were all calling for Ryan Day's head. Like before the game, they're like, "Oh yeah," like especially Maurice Claret was like, like like two or three hours before the game, he's like, "Yeah, uh, Ohio State's gonna roll into Michigan and kick their ass, then win the Big Ten title, and then." You know, beat Georgia's ass in the national championship. I'm calling it right now, and none of that's going to happen. Nope. No, it is not. Yeah, um, I know I know. it's been joked about that Ryan Day, if he loses this game, is on the hot seat. Is any of that he, reality? Yes. Yes, absolutely. And and I think part of it, I've, they're not going to fire him right now. And I don't, I don't, I don't want to say if he lost the fourth consecutive year, they would necessarily fire him. But at the same time, the amount of shit that he's going to get, that he's already gotten, I don't know if it's tenable for him to stay there. Because, like, again, Kirk Herbstreet, or Herbstreet, he had to leave. He had to move to Cincinnati to get away from all the crazy asses in Columbus because they thought he was, you know, not being, you know, a good Biased Buckeye. Enough. Yeah, exactly. Like, he, they, they are legitimately uh, nuts about it. I mean, I mean, and granted, I mean, Michigan is too. I mean, we talked about, you know, Michigan fans and alumni and all that, you know, were asking before this three game win streak against Ohio State whether or not, you know, they should keep Harbaugh because of it. So, I mean, it's a legitimate thing, even though, you know, all of, I think all but one of your losses as three, uh, okay, so of your uh, seven losses, three came, came to Michigan the last three years, one came to Georgia, and then uh, who are they? I'm trying to think who else they lost to. They haven't lost to Penn State. I think they lost to Clemson once and Bama once. Too. So I mean, wasn't there a Purdue loss thrown in, or was that still with Urban? I don't, I don't think it. Uh, I'm, I'm looking up. Hey Ben, yeah, but like regardless, like he, um, he doesn't have a great record about eight uh, against AP top five teams. I'm talking about top twenty five against top five teams. He's well below five hundred. So it was 2018 the last time Purdue beat Ohio State. So that was uh, Urban. Yeah, that was Urban's last year because yeah, because they beat Michigan in 2019. They didn't play in 2020, and then they lost the last three years. So yeah. Um, but with the so again, he's probably I don't know if he wants to put up with that. I mean, that's why I was kind of hoping he'd do Texas AM because they are also delusional, but at least he'd get out of Columbus and do a fresh start. He might get a shot in the NFL and like really enjoy that like if you went to like the chargers or somewhere like that where nobody gives a shit that might be his sweet spot because i mean he is a good coach 
Like, I mean, he, I mean, like, well, he's kind of gone downhill a little bit since, you know, all of Urban's got, Urban's guys are gone, but. Um, he makes the right coaching hires. Yes. It's, a big time. He's, he can put us, he can put together a staff. Correct. It's, yeah. it's really the. The recruiting at key positions that he has a hard time with. Well, I mean, not not receivers and running back. I mean, running back's not too bad either. And their pass rush has fallen off considerably. He hasn't gotten a Bosa there in a while cool. or Chase Young or anything like that. So, like, he, there, there's been some slippage there. I mean, they're still, like, high recruiting classes and all that, you know, top five every year. But it's just – it's not it's not hitting at the rate that it was under Urban. But, but yeah, he, he probably is on the hot seat. He's not going to get fired right now. He I wouldn't be surprised if he left at his own, you know – Lewisian, but but in this game itself, like I alluded to before, you got the full Ryan Day experience, looking like he was gonna cry after several calls, and you know have his his uh, just for men run down his face like it was mascara. Um, so the loss that we couldn't remember, Oregon, in the shoe. oh yeah, that was at home too. That was yes. in the in the shoe. Um, but yeah, complaining after long long after plays were over, playing chicken shit um, at times where they should have went for it on fourth down. Uh, missing field goals in big spots, et cetera. I mean, it was, again, it was the full gamut of the Ryan Day experience for uh, Ohio State in big games. But let's try to get away from him for a minute because it's it's just a lot of fun to talk crap about Ryan Day. And nobody's going to hate it. I think everybody is on board except for Ohio State fans, which I would be shocked if you had anyone, <laughs> any Ohio State fans actually listening. But um, the throw that J.J. made, J.J. McCarthy, Michigan's quarterback, made, um, I can't remember what quarter it was, but the one that they had reviewed and thought that, oh, it may have been an interception, which I didn't, I thought it was pretty obvious that it wasn't an interception, but they, they looked at it, all that. But that was the best throw that that man has ever made in his life. Oh, that one, was incredible. Are you talking about the one where he literally threw the football in a one foot gap between two Ohio State players for the touchdown? Because yeah. mm-hmm. he he doesn't he's normally risk averse. He doesn't usually throw ten interceptions. He did well. He did one game this year, but like he really doesn't take chances like that very often. And I mean, big time for that to go through or for that to happen for him. One of the best throws um, I've ever seen of any quarterback ever. Yeah, I mean, it still doesn't make me think he's like a you know Heisman contender or anything like that. If he, even if he comes back next year, which he should, because again, I don't I, he's fine. But that throw itself. It's beautiful. Um, so Michigan won because they played pretty mistake-free football for the most part. Uh, Kyle Honda McCord threw two costly interceptions that won the first quarter that kind of changed or really got the momentum going in Michigan's favor early on. And then the last one coming as Ohio State was driving with a minute left. They needed a touchdown. They were down by six uh, in their final possession, and he threw an interception to Rod Moore. Rod Moore – defensive back for a Michigan that caught the interception. Uh, he is a Ohio native. Did not get even remotely recruited by Ohio State. Nothing. And there's a saying uh, up there that the best the best players in Ohio play at Michigan. Charles Woodson, Desmond Howard. You know, the list kind of goes on uh, from there. But uh, Kyle McCord, if you had to point your finger toward one player to loss a game, he was, he was it. He... The drop off between CJ Stroud and Kyle McCord is I, I don't think it can be stated. Yeah. It, it 
I, I don't know how they got to that point. I think I want to say CJ Stroud was a, a Ryan Day guy. I mean, I, I know he was offensive coordinator and all that before that, but I, how how did it get to that point where he was the best option for that team? Well, Kyle Gord was highly rated coming out of high school. He was a dual threat guy. He just hasn't developed in the system. Yeah, it, yeah because I mean – I mean, we both, I mean, we, we talked about it last year. I mean, CJ Stroud, I mean, won me over and he's obviously killing it in the NFL. Like, you know, he won me over in the, in the peach bowl, especially two time Heisman runner up. I mean, our finalist at least, but yeah, McCord wasn't it. I don't know what his future is for Ohio state, but um, it's probably not good. Yeah. I don't, if Kyle McCord is the starter next season, I think we should probably expect a few more losses because they're more than likely losing Marvin Harrison Jr., um, Emeka Abuka, mm-hmm. and potentially Julian Fleming. You wasted those guys' careers, especially Marvin Harrison. I don't know. I mean, I think Malik. I don't think yeah. you can call last season wasted. No, no. I mean, they were you know a good kicker away from, or a more money kicker away from winning a national championship. So I mean, yeah, they were you know the thinnest of margins uh, for. Uh, for them, but I mean, wasting his season this year. Oh, absolutely. He, wasting yeah. his pre-draft season. Where yeah, Fox it was set to be trying his... to say that he's a top three guy for the Heisman, which is absurd in my mind. Yeah. If any, if any receiver uh, deserved to be there, it should be Malik Neighbors, but that's a that's a different discussion. Correct. But um, I'm sure we will have. Yeah, yeah, we'll have we'll, we'll definitely have time uh, prior to that uh, that Heisman ceremony. Because I'm, I'm pretty sure right after the the uh, conference championships, they announced that the uh, the finalists for because they do it like the weekend after, right? They do it like the weekend of the Army Navy game. Um, the ceremony. Yeah, I think so. Ooh, I'd have to I'd have to look it up. You can keep going. I'll look it up. Yeah. Um. All right. So just kind of hitting on some actual like Michigan like players and stuff like that, not just shitting on Ohio State. Uh, Blake Quorum, twenty two carries, eighty eight yards, two touchdowns. One of which came to play after. Uh, Michigan guard Zach Zinter had a gruesome leg injury. Like a lot of like coaches on Michigan staff, other offensive linemen tried to like comfort the the Ohio State defensive lineman that rolled up on him, like during that whole you know that longer stoppage. I'm um, so glad I didn't see it, and I love that Fox immediately was like, "Yeah, this is bad. We are not showing it whatsoever." Yeah, yeah. I'm. I didn't go looking for it. I don't. I don't usually go looking for that stuff. But especially with that, and seeing how upset everybody was that 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 wasn't it. The last time I went and looked for an injury was like that Kevin Ware one. Was it Louisville in the the Final Four? Yes. Or yeah, that was the last one. I'm like, yeah, I'm not doing that anymore. Yeah, and um, and you knew it was bad because when they came back from commercial break, his parents were standing next to him. Yeah. That's oh, that's, like J, like JJ McCarthy was like comforting them on the sideline, like like they're they're all hugging them and everything, and I mean yeah. it was bad. Yeah. But the the play immediately after that, the the one they did, you know, after they you know came back from that injury timeout, Clay Corman had a big twenty two yard run, um, and just and and that was one of the worries is like Minter or Zinter is one of the best linemen they have. I mean he's gonna he's a he's a pro prospect and everything. They're like oh shit, like they've only really been able to run the ball. That was not the case. I mean they ran it arguably better at least you know when they needed to so that was that was uh kind of surprising to see uh the tight end isn't really the receivers didn't really get a ton of love besides that one you know amazing touchdown but uh colson loveland had 88 yards receiving as well 
Uh, he came out of the game late. He was uh, broadcast said he was coughing up blood, and then they uh, they had an Iowa, not Iowa, um, Indiana transfer tight end come in there and they just pick up where he left off, and that was that was cool to see. Um, but one kind of last, you know, last Michigan related thing there. Um, in the uh, post game, Roman Wilson, Michigan receiver, I think he was the one that caught that pass from uh, JJ that touchdown. But uh, yeah, so he. Uh, he basically shit on the entire Ohio State program. Kind of what everybody's been saying is that they're soft and, and and all that, you know, lack toughness. But, like, here's his actual quote. I told the receivers the whole week, you guys, that that you've got you've got guys there who want to put on Louis Vuitton, that $1,000 outfit. They want to act hard, but when they're out there, they're not hard, Wilson said. Um, see, they're not tough. I don't think they're – I don't think I'm the toughest guy in the world, but I'm out there. I'm getting physical. I don't think they wanted it like I wanted it. And that goes with the whole you know, idea that Ryan Day's program is soft. The Peach Bowl, the last three games against Michigan kind of backed that up. So, Yeah, and, you know, specifically, Marvin Harrison Jr. is extremely talented. He was probably the most talented player on that field for both sides. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, he had five catches for 118 yards from Kyle McCord. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he is not tough. He is not strong. <laughs> And that's not in that that's not meant to be disrespectful. And it probably sounds like it, but that is a failure of the coaching staff, the strength staff, that mm. he's still able to get manhandled as much as he is because he could be stronger and just as good. He he has the potential to be he I mean to, he is to be CD similar Lamb to like Calvin Johnson. C D Lamb is. Yeah. I mean, he could be a Calvin Johnson type talent. I mean, he's huge. I mean, if he, you know, I mean, he's fast as hell. I mean, he he could do that. But Calvin took, a, you know, a beating in Detroit, obviously, because, you know, he retired early, just like all the greats in Detroit do. But, um, yeah, I don't, he has the potential, but I mean, it wasn't necessarily realized there to be that Calvin Johnson type player. But he, you know, he'll, he'll be dra- uh, drafted top three, top five, and probably have a really good career. But, and the best thing that, he could possibly do for the rest of his career is get out of Ohio State. Even if he does the insane thing and comes back to college next year, leave Ohio State. Mm-hmm. Go to a program That's... that will actually help you improve instead of just saying, hey, you're already one of the best receivers in the sport. We're going to maintain you. Well, a lot of guys that ended up leaving, like when, uh, you know, like Jameson Williams and, and, uh, and, trying to think of the other guys that left that ended up being like first round picks that transferred out of Ohio state. Like they you know, kind of realized that potential after they left, they, you know, Brian Hartline, their uh, wide receiver coach. I mean, obviously held a recruiter gets like all these five-star receivers and stuff like that. But again, it, yeah, the toughness part is not part of his pitch. Do so I get them to come and, and, and get better in that sense? But yeah. yeah. Um, let's get into the iron bowl. Yeah. Um, so I 100% was wrong on this. I thought Alabama was going to run away with this. Um, and Auburn and Hugh Freeze almost pulled off the upset. Um, but Jalen Milrow did what Jalen Milrow does. You had the full experience, just like we talked about Ryan Day. You're going to have some things that, like, how is it possible that he did that? And then yeah. you're going to have some plays where you're like, Damn, How is that possible that he did that? And then you're going to have some plays where you're like, are we sure that he understands the game of football? 
that was all in that last four play sequence. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so Auburn with a single caught punt wins this game. Yep. They obviously muffed that punt, got the ball at Auburn's 30 with, uh, down four under five minutes left. And yeah. So yeah, with that, so Auburn had two number zeros. The guy that normally goes out there to field punts wasn't there with somebody else. I don't, cause they had two number zeros. Um, so like Hugh Freeze legitimately did not know who was out there to catch that punt. So I mean, if they would have realized that, they might have been a different. Probably story. wants to make sure that Hugh Freeze doesn't know that he's the one that was out there to catch that punt. Yeah. Oh, oh, for sure. I mean, they CBS investigated it right away because they were a little bit confused, and then they figured out what it was. But yeah, Freeze had no idea that that that's the guy that actually went out there to do it. He thought it was the guy that normally does it. Yeah. Um, I'm not good at names, but yeah. So. We already talked about the Milrow experience. He had a run on third and 20 and took an absurd hit. The guy that hit him, I'm pretty sure, knocked himself out for a second. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, that's laying it all on the line for your team. Huge mm-hmm. props to that guy. Um, you stopped him a yard short, too. Like, insane. Yeah, Jalen Milrow with a head of steam is hard to move backwards. And mm-hmm. this defensive back did it. So It was it, like he hit a wall. I mean, like he just got, I mean, running full speed, 20, 25 miles an hour, dead stop. Boom. Yeah. Like literally um, a car accident. We talk about that all the time, and that's always, you know, throw it out there as an analogy, but that was a car accident. Yeah, yeah, yeah. N- neither of those guys are feeling good today. No, no. Probably not tomorrow either. No. Um... But they got the first down on the next play. They had to go for it on fourth. Um, and then gold go. One yard loss. Uh, the center did what he's done all season. Had a bad snap. Jalen Milrow wasn't even ready for it. And it went wide right. Um, mm-hmm. Loss of 18 yards. Jalen Milrow was lucky to get that ball back because there were two Auburn defenders within a few feet of him. Yep. Um, third down. Jalen Milrow runs three yards past the line of scrimmage, then goes backwards and throws the ball that wasn't close to being completed mm-hmm. um, instead of just trying to get more yards on, on the ground yeah. and getting yeah. out of bounds. And so instead, yeah, they call it a legal forward pass and then it's a loss of downs. Now it's fourth and third, well, fourth and goal, but four from 31 yards. Um, and then Auburn says, you know what? We're just going to send three guys after Jalen Milrow. Even though he's not very accurate on the move, we're going to give him the cleanest pocket you could imagine. How long do you think he had in the pocket? Like, I want to say it was like seven seconds. It felt like it was forever. It did. It did. Um, And then Isaiah Bond catches it back corner. The pass, even with that much time, still not great, which is just kind of wild to me. Um, Jalen Milrow had himself a day, 259 yards passing, 107 yards on the ground. Um, and Auburn should have won this game with 93 yards passing. That's absurd. That that, that can't Jarquez be real. Jarquez Hunter, like I get why he didn't want to be on this Auburn team. Came back anyways because he made a commitment to the team. But 
between him and the other two guys that were running the ball, Bama had no shot. Yeah. Um, and then Peyton Thorne actually looked pretty good running the ball. At least he had he had some accurate passes, but he didn't have to pass the ball very much. Well, um, he only completed like five balls, right? I didn't yeah, have written. I th- yeah. He was under 50%, yeah. but he didn't attempt that many passes. Yeah. Um, and they still almost won. Should have won. Yeah. If they catch that punt, they win the game. Or if they, you know, have a little bit more of a pass rush than, like, cover eight. Yeah. I. And then, so, so I've seen multiple different scores on the final of that game. Kind of weird how that one ended. Because it, it Auburn's last drive after they got the kickoff, they had like five seconds. They should have gotten a safety, but the offensive line, the offensive line had picked it up, got tackled, fumbled the ball, and it still kept going because he never really had possession. Um, and they recovered it at the one. Peyton Thorne, as the clock was hitting zero, gets the ball snapped, throws a pick six. Yeah. So they still I, they still said I think it was like twenty seven twenty four. They still said it was a three point game everywhere that I saw. But okay, like it, so I'd seen that and I'd also seen the thirty three twenty four. Um, hmm. I I don't know if anybody really knows because I think that yeah. ball was actually snapped after the clock hit zero, so it didn't really count. Um, oh, okay, but just a wild turn of events in that game. Mm-hmm. I mean that was the most iron bowly iron bowl since the uh, since the kick six. That was, I mean that was that was that was so much fun. Twenty the last game at Auburn was also pretty wild. Double overtime with a very highly ranked Alabama team. Bryce Young ends mm-hmm. up going down the field to tie the game, take it to overtime. So that you know the iron bowl rarely disappoints in Auburn. Yeah. Yeah, Tuscaloosa is usually well, not usually, but it can be a different story. But yeah, playing in playing in Auburn can't miss. All right, so we're going to talk about just a little bit about what's going on this week in the uh, grand scheme of things. Talking about college football, so Oregon and Washington are playing Friday night in Vegas. I want to say that's an eight p.m. kickoff. Yeah, hell yeah, dude! I'm so I'm so excited for it. That's going to be a great game. I know everyone's mm-hmm. looking forward to it. Um, Liberty and New Mexico State. The same New Mexico State that beat Auburn um, yeah. are playing Friday night as well for the Conference USA title. Liberty is trying to go 13-0 and this season with uh, Jamie Chadwell, former Coastal Carolina coach. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, knowing the uh, zealousy that comes out of Liberty, it's entirely possible that they claim a national title after going 13-0. and um, even mm-hmm. though I think they played play two Power Five teams this season, um, mm-hmm. Oklahoma State and Texas are playing at noon on Saturday. I was a year early on Oklahoma State. It's my bad, guys. Just <laughs> oh, were they your uh, bandwagon team last year? Yes, yes, they were. I think um, I, I think I picked Oklahoma State and Texas to play in the Big Twelve Championship in the preseason. Did. I think you did. Didn't me. I did. I got one Big Twelve thing right. Um. Georgia Bama obviously are playing at 4 p.m. And then Michigan and Iowa and Louisville, Florida State are both 8 p.m. on Saturday night. Um, one coach, well, actually, two coaching hires that are really interesting. Um, Mike Elko, 
called it a few weeks ago. I said he was my guy that I think they should hire. Not splashy, but he'll get the job done. Taking yep. the Texas A&M job after Mark Stoops was once again um, the the leader in the clubhouse for a maroon team. Um, throwing that back to the Florida State comments. And ended up not coming to fruition after it was rumored he was already hired. And then another maroon team, just because there's so many damn maroon teams, Mississippi State, Mississippi State hired um, Jeff Levy, Oklahoma offensive coordinator. Um, He was also the offensive coordinator at Ole Miss the year they took Bama down to the wire. um, I want to say 2020, 2021, something like that. I think that was entirely to try to keep Will Rogers on the team. I was gonna say, like, does he does Levy is it kind of like an air raid? Because I'm, I, I honestly I don't know. I really so, don't. I mean, Oklahoma scores, but I don't know. I don't it, know. It's a lot like the same offense that uh, Ole Miss is still running. Okay. Yeah. So big pass plays, but they do run the ball well. Um, and Mississippi State has good running backs, so if they can keep Woody Marks on the roster, I think I think that's a great scheme for them to run next season. Yeah. Um, we're going to get into bets. I don't even have any idea how I did this week, so that'll be fun. Um, oh, oh, let me wait. Let me let me go first, because I'm I'm very excited about how it ended. Not necessarily my week, but um, all right. So my picks, I just I texted them to you and put them in the doc and all that, so I didn't get a chance to elaborate much, which I'm not really going to here, but. I took Michigan to cover uh, the three points against Ohio State. They won by one by six. Took Georgia to cover by 24 and a half. Obviously, they did not do that. Only one by eight. I did take Iowa. They were a two and a half point underdog. They ended up winning by by three. That did you see the end of that game? I didn't. I um, avoided Iowa football like the plague this year. I there were so many interceptions and turnovers the last like minute of that game there's no reason why iowa should have won that game but but uh nebraska nebraska and uh and iowa ended up pulling through with the kick because that's all they know how to do as far as scoring points um again you guys talked about it i fell for a texas tech one more time i took them to uh, as an underdog took them with a plus 12 and a half they uh, decidedly did not come close to that texas whooped the shit out of them uh, yeah so that yeah. wasn't even close that was bad i think texas covered the over under by themselves yeah <laughs> it, it was they won by 50 didn't they it was like 57 yes. 57 yes. good lord so uh yeah texas tech i'm not yeah never again never again never again um uh, i took oregon state they were a 13 and a half point underdog i thought that they had the last civil war game they hadn't rescheduled anything i thought they would uh come through and with the upset ruin oregon season and they Again, they pulled the Texas Tech and got demolished by Oregon. So that was a bad look. And then uh, finally, uh, I took Maryland. They were a one-point favorite at Rutgers. I think they won by like 21. So they they uh, they came through. Maryland, very average team, beat a uh, slightly below average Rutgers. So for the week, I was 3-3. Three and three, But on the season, greatness, 69 wins, 61 losses, and a push. That's a very nice record. It's a very, very nice. nice. Record. Um, yeah. So apparently I did really well this week. Uh, if I'm being honest, I thought I didn't. 
So it took Oregon to cover that 13 and a half. They did. Michigan covered the three. Georgia did not even come close to covering that 24 and a half. Took the Washington money line just because of the way they've played. I thought it would be a close game, and it was a damn near overtime game. Um, you were right on there. Do what? So no, you were definitely right on that because they were what, like a 17-point favorite? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um Mizzou, minus seven and a half. They covered that all day. I It's a little tangent here. Um, first off, love the Arkansas coaches after that fight broke out on the field. Arkansas coaches literally ran over there and started horse collar tackling their own players to get them out of the fight. Yeah. Here for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but Mizzou up quite a bit of points and keeping their starters in the game in the fourth quarter, that's trashy. Yeah. That's dream. That's dream. I mean, like I can, I, I think I had mentioned him before. It's like once I, you know, nobody cares when he's losing, but when he's winning, he's a dick. Like, I don't yeah, know how I don't, that's trashy. Um, yeah. Louisville losing to Kentucky was also trashy, especially when they were only seven point favorites over a team that was lucky to make a bowl game this year. Not a fan yep. of that. Um, Arizona only ten and a half point favorites when they dominated Arizona State. Easy money. That was that was like a fifty point win too. Um, and then Bama Auburn. The score was a lot closer to the second option that I threw out there than it was the first, but they hit the over on forty nine. Um, so this week five and two total record sixty eight fifty six, and I had two pushes. Um, one win from greatness, but. Not everybody can be as nice as you. In in your defense, I picked like seven more games. Ah, that's you win some, you lose some. Yep. Um. Yeah. So are we gonna are we gonna count are we gonna count our conference championships? Uh, you know, next week in this or no? Are we gonna keep it there? Um. We can. What we'll do is we'll keep the regular season, but then we'll add on as we pick throughout the bowl season. To um, to just have like a regular season and then a combined, to uh, to see Pitch how it out. goes. And because we've picked different different quantities of games, we might do like a winning percentage kind of situation. Yeah, sounds good. Hell yeah. Um, so nothing finer moment of the week. We're just going all the fights and all the rivalry games. Um, obviously Arkansas Mizzou. There was some stuff that happened in that Texas game. And then, you know, a feel-good moment. After winning the Egg Bowl in a very close game, closer than a lot of people thought it would be, Lane Kiffin in his post-game press conference said he missed Mike Leach being on that other sideline. Um, so even bitter rivals, you game respects game. And uh, obviously Mike Leach should be in the College Football Hall of Fame. So that was that was pretty cool to hear. Yeah, for sure. Um, go through the same stuff we do every week. Follow all of our social media at nothing.finder.pod on Instagram, at finderpod, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. Search us there. Check out the merch. Um, it, for whatever reason, every time Mike tries to show it off, Lou Holt's face pops through the shirt, so we can't really see it. But it is... I'm going to send him. I'm going to send Lou Holtz one of these. I, you know, do it. Let's do it. What's the worst yeah. that happens? You know? Yeah. He'll just drool all over it. It's what it is. Yeah. Um, 
rate and review the show five stars. We will send you or send us a screenshot and we will send you a sticker. Um, and as always, guys, remember there is nothing finer in the land. Than a drunk obnoxious Georgia fan. <laughs>